Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning, everyone. I've been trying to figure out ways to get Dan off the platform for years, and... um, just realize the best way, just get the band to start up as he starts talking. Everyone okay this morning? Good. The carol service is coming, I noticed the other day. I was looking at the next two months and I thought, wow, the carol service is almost here. And then I thought, I wonder if there's anything else going on on that day that might interrupt us pushing and advertising our carol service. And this is the strangest of years. I don't know whether anyone's realized this, but on the 18th of December, one week before Christmas, what's going on? It's quiet. It's the World Cup soccer final. They've chosen our carol service day to hold the World Cup final in Qatar. That is terrible. Fortunately, kickoff is at 3 p.m. and our carol service is at 6. So I'm now looking at Dave, because Dave's like, Dave will be torn, I know he will, between the, the two which to come to, and maybe we should, <laughs> well, you see, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking, maybe we should show on big screen the World Cup final here, and then people who might be tempted not to come can just hang around for the carol service. Does that sound, you know, we'll see whether we can make that happen. I'll put Dave in charge of the logistics and then he's bound to, to, to wrangle that. Um, I remember when I went to the World Cup final, uh, one year, people know there's a joke coming. I don't know whether I, I don't know why I bother saying it was me. I've never been to the World Cup final. Anyway, I remember when I went to the World Cup final and uh, I was a little bit late and I got to my, to my seat and there was an empty seat Next to me, I could not believe it. It's the World Cup final. I leaned across and I said to the fellow who was the other side of the empty seat, I said, I can't believe there's an empty seat here. It's the World Cup final. Why on earth would anyone leave an an empty seat? No one in the right mind would do that. And he said, actually, the seat is mine. Um, This is the first... I've not come to the punchline yet. This is the... This is the first year I've not been to the World Cup final with my wife. She's passed away. And, um, and I said, that's, that's so sad, that's, that's terrible. Um, she said, he said, yeah, 40 years we've been married. This is the first time I've not been with her. I said, that's awful. I mean, couldn't, didn't you have any relatives or friends or, or colleagues who could come and just sit with you? He said, to be fair, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> um, so we are in a series at the moment, and the series is called Walking the Walk Together. What's it called? And this is week four. Week four. We've divided this series into four little episodes. And uh, we started with belong. And then we moved to believe. And last week was the hard one. That was behave. It's one where we had to lock the doors and not let anyone escape. And, And this week is become. And we started with belong, which was really all about stemming from the fact that Jesus went around helping people understand that they belonged in his presence well before he ever expected them to believe or behave. And what does that mean to us as a church, but also what does it mean to new people who come to church even if they don't yet come to the faith? Uh, They meet in the vicinity. They work in the vicinity of Christians. What does that mean to a sense of belonging? And so we examined that, and you can go back and listen to that on the podcast. Then we moved on to um, belief. And what are the most basic things, the most basic things that we need to believe in order to set ourselves up for a, a life walking towards Christ? That's what we looked at. We didn't look at the, the full list of doctrines out there and how many arguments have been about things in Scripture. We didn't go anywhere near that. What are the three most fundamental things we need to believe to set ourselves up for a, a God-walking direction? Listen to the podcast if you want to know more about that. Last week we looked at behave, um, and I said that you know the world was zigging and Jesus came and zagged basically, and so should we. That's what he calls us 
to be. And, um, and there is no doubt that our behavior is, is an effect of our belonging and our belief. In other words, if we belong right with him, and if we believe the most fundamental of things, then our behavior should change. And we talked about that. We talked about how it should change and why it should change and how we should not get hung up over the speed of each other's behavior change and how it's not our job to say, oh, you should have dealt with that by now because I dealt with it five years ago. Whereas this other person can say, yeah, but I've dealt with this and you're still wrestling with this. And we looked at how that affects us as a church, but also how it genuinely affects us as individuals as well and be willing to ask the big questions in our lives that where habits may have taken place and be deep set in our lives which cause us to walk on slippery rocks. Can you remember I used that phrase? And, uh, and we often do that. I'm, I'm coming across them all the time where there are the things in my life and I think, do you know, I don't think I've ever submitted that to Jesus. I've just assumed, because I've been getting away with it for decades, that God is pleased. And I mentioned that um, we must never mistake God's approval for his patience. Never mistake God's approval for his patience. God is always very, very patient with us. And just because we think uh, God may not, not be pleased with us doesn't mean that he's given us a big thumbs up. It just means that he's patient and full of grace. And it's our job to be able to submit ourselves to him. And then this week we're looking, in one sense, which is the easiest of the, the talks, which is become, become. Now we have been centering our thoughts around just one little passage of scripture found in Colossians chapter 1. No prizes this week. Uh, Angie ate me out of chocolates last week. That's it. I just can't afford anymore. Um, Colossians chapter 1 and just a couple of verses, but I'm going to read a bit more today and then maybe when we come to the key verses, we'll pop those on the screen. I want to just set this verse in a context now. So we've been focusing on verses sort of 16 and 15 and 16, um, which talks about Jesus being the image of the invisible God. Wonderful couple of verses. But I just want to set it in its context. Read a few verses before it, then those two verses, and then a few after it. Is that okay? But when we come to those two key verses, join with me. They will appear on the screen. Well, they're there already. Here we go. So Paul the Apostle writes to this church, just like us, in, in Colossae. And he says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Let me repeat that. Paul's heart for this church the reason he does what he does, the reason he says what he says, is that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. That sounds challenging, right? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. Oh, they're not the most attractive of words, are they? congregation. Oh, my will is that you might have endurance and patience. Can't we have some pizzazz? No, no, no. Endurance and patience first. Maybe a bit of pizzazz later. But, but that's, these are the things that you need to make it through life with your heart set on Jesus. Pray that you might share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then together we read this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. In him all things in heaven and earth were created, whether visible or invisible, thrones, rulers, authorities, and powers. All things were created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then Paul carries on. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Wow. In everything. Think of everything in your life that matters. Everything that directs you, that stirs you, every dream, ambition, every hope, every wish. And here it says that Jesus should have the supremacy in everything. I mean, we've all got a long way to go, right? But the urging is there for us. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. A little bit more. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has be, been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. How about we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you. For you are the image of God. Things were created by you, through you, in you and for you. And we include ourselves in that. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us see ourselves as being here for you. And only existing because you hold all things together. Give us a sense, Lord, of perspective and of glory and of majesty. That we might draw upon when we step into our daily repetitive lives. Let us realize we are part of something majestic and wonderful. And Lord, we take Paul the Apostle's words to heart. And we ask that you will make us people who can endure and be firm and strong and resilient. Help us even today as we look at the kind of people we may become. So will you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey. And everyone said, Amen. Well, why should we become anything at all? I've mentioned this in a a previous week, we live in an era of society at the moment where it's very, very prevalent to think, here I am, just as I am, this is how I'm made, this is how I've been put together, you accept me as I am. And so should Jesus. And so we learnt that in week one, that Jesus does say, come as you are, right? Come as you are. But Jesus doesn't say, stay as you are. And that means this, that however much we understand, this is who I am, this is how I'm made, this is how I'm put together, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, there is this challenge for us to be able to submit ourselves to God and say, but remold me, remake me. I am willing to become something bigger, better, higher, deeper, something different. And the verse that we've just read, or the couple of verses we just read, reminds us that we are made by, through, and for Jesus. And therefore, if we take that to heart, if we understand it, we realize this. He knows how I should tick better than I know how I should tick. Right? So I may as well tick in sync with him. And therefore, he calls me into synchronicity with his heart and with his will and with his mind. And that means I have to be willing to change. I have to be willing to advance, to progress. Um, that's why. Now, how do we do it? How do we change? How do we become something rather than just stay something? 
Well, the, at its most basic, look, if we understand we belong to him, if we understand that we believe these fundamental things, Jesus is risen and he rules. Uh, and if we understand that our behavior is under our control and we can set our minds, if we understand those three, thing, those three things, you would think we have no option but to become something different. They're just in place. You would think, well, I am becoming something, right? And there's a real sense that at its most basic, that is true. And Scripture itself is, is full of urgings for us to become something different. I've just written down a few here. These are quite famous ones that some of you will, will know. We're not going to show them on screen. From uh, the epistle of John, John writes this, Whoever says they belong in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. How about that as a challenge? Whoever says they belong to him, well, most of us in this room would say we belong to Jesus, ought to walk in the same way he walked. Uh, Ephesians, St. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, be imitators of God, beloved children, and walk in love. Imitate God. Have you ever thought about that? When I was learning the piano, I just wanted to imitate Elton John. I mean, the, the sights are a bit higher here, right? Imitate God, beloved children. In the, in the same letter, Paul writes this, Put off your old self and be renewed in the fullness of your mind. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Right? Put off your old self and put on the new self. Sounds simple, right? Romans chapter 8, big, big chapter. Paul writes this, God knew and chose you to be conformed to the image of his Son. God knew you, chose you to be conformed to the image of his son. I mean, this is lofty stuff, but there's all these urgings for us to, you can become something more than you are. Stop thinking you are what you are. Stop thinking there is an old self and there is a new self. We're going to look at that a bit, a bit more later. And then in Romans uh, in fact, we'll leave that one. We'll come to that one later. Second Corinthians chapter 3. And we who behold his glory are being transformed into his same image. What's interesting about all these statements is none of them are asking us to do something. They're telling us something. Now, I find that interesting. They're... they're he, Paul and the other writers are writing to people like you and me, believers. Believers who are, they've made a real stand in the world. And remember, back then, it was a big deal to make a stand for Jesus. Big deal. You are automatically contrasting with society around you. And he's talking to them, saying, this is happening. It's happening. You are becoming something. You are being confirmed. You are being transformed. It's quite interesting. There's this assumption that the writers make that if you are truly a believer, if you, are, if you truly belong to him, if you are truly behaving, you are transforming. You are changing. So why bother teaching about it if it's automatic? Well, the other thing we understand from reading these kind of scriptures is this. The new you, the future you, may be a challenge to the now you. Have you ever thought about that? The future you, who you are becoming, may be a challenge to the you of now. Let me put that a, a different way. Uh, there was a, Jesus tells us to count the cost, right? He was talking to his disciples once. And uh, he gave this example about people who want to follow him. And he says, first, um, sit down and count the cost. As if you were building a tower. As if you were building a building. You don't just go and build it, right? You sit down first. And you count the cost. Mm, this is what it's going to look like. This is the space it's going to take. This is the view I'm going to have from there. Well, this is what it's going to feel like to be this 
building. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to count the cost because I have now set my face on becoming something new. And there's, there's a whole sense of consideration in our faith. I don't know whether you know that. Even about giving, about how much we give in offerings. God loves a cheerful giver, but he also loves people who consider what they give. It matters to them. They've weighed this up. They know it's a, it's a big deal. So our future us can be a challenge to our current us. Have you ever considered about the worldview change between a butterfly and a caterpillar? Have you ever considered that? The worldview change of a caterpillar, right? What is a caterpillar's worldview? And what is a butterfly's worldview? Now, you'd say they're the same thing, right? Same thing a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. But I, I, I thought about this. It's the way my brain goes, right? The, a caterpillar crawls. What does it do? Crawls. And it eats leaves. Leaves are good. Leaves are good. They're important in the process of photosynthesis. GSE, GCSE, whatever it was. Okay, chemistry or something. Biology. And... Um, they, they help trees and plants grow. That's what leaves do. They catch the light. And they turn light as a fuel into something else which makes plants and trees grow. And a caterpillar eats them. It crawls and it eats leaves, right? Later on, a future caterpillar is now a, a butterfly. It doesn't crawl. What does it do? It flies. And what does it need to stay alive? Nectar. Nectar. What is nectar produced by? Flowers. flowers. What do flowers need to grow? Leaves. leaves. <laughs> we got there. They need leaves, right? Have you ever thought about this? There's a caterpillar crawling, eating the very, th destroying the very thing that the future it needs to be able to live on. The worldview change or from a caterpillar to a butterfly is incredible. Now, why am I picking on caterpillars and butterflies? Because the Bible makes me. We will see from some of the language that the Bible uses. That, that was a great sneeze. I, we may snip this out of the podcast, but let me just say, Sam, as sneezes go, that was in the upper echelon, I'll tell you. You deserve a star on my sneeze star chart. That's fantastic. Sorry to draw attention to you, but wow, what a sneeze. For those of you watching at home, Sam Walker is our drummer, and that is the only reason we keep him in a cage. Just so you know. We have to clean it after every Sunday. Um, the worldview change. I, I really want to make this difference because from a caterpillar to a butterfly, is something that Paul the Apostle hints at in his writings that there is between the old me and the new me who should be becoming. The world looks totally different. Why does it look totally different? Because the old me thinks this just happened and we don't have any eternal consequence in this. The new me says... Jesus created this through him, in him, and for him. That's a big difference, right? And what that means by our worldview change are poles apart. You can't be all God wants you to be and all the world expects you to be. You can't be all God wants you to be and all the world expects you to be. In most part, the world and society, they want the old you. They just want the best version of the old you, right? The polished version, the tweaked version, the slightly self-helped version, the therapied version. That's, that's what they want. They, they don't want the new you, the new person. Most of you will know this. You just know it in your life. We know the expectations of people around us. Sometimes people close to us, some pe people in that second sphere around us, and the world in general. You know very well what they expect of you. 
And then we pause and we lift our eyes to heaven and we say, Jesus, what, what do you expect of me? And in a moment, we can discern something. And, and they grate against each other, these things. And that in itself should tell us that there is a becoming that needs to happen. As long as I, as long as I cling to what the world expects me to be, I can never, never become all that God wants me. And that means a decision has to be made at some point about what, what holds us tighter. We can ex expand that and we could say this, not many of us can be all that God wants us to be and all that I ever want to be. In other words, I'm taking the, the thought away from the world and bringing it to myself. What about things that I've always wanted to be? Not just when I was 14 or 18 or 21, but what about 10 years ago? All I've ever wanted to be, if I submit that to God, I often find that even that is challenged by him. And he wants me to become something different. Now that becomes a little more challenging, doesn't it? Anyone ever want to be an astronaut? Or a fire officer? I don't know, what's the strangest thing people might want to become? I don't know. Professional cat flosser. I don't know, whatever it is. I, I, okay, doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it may be, the chances are when God gets to grips with you, he may want the new you to be something different. And we either submit this to God or we don't. And the challenge is there for us. There was a, a man who came up to Jesus once and asked a brilliant question. Came up on his horse and he was quite wealthy. And he asked Jesus about um, what do I need to do to, well, to follow you, to be like you, to be able to, to grasp all the stuff that you're teaching about. And Jesus, sort of seemingly knowing the future and knowing where this man's buttons might need to be pressed and knowing where he was going to be challenged in his heart, he said to this, to this man, um, give your money away. Give your money away to the poor. Give it away. That's a strange answer. I mean, it was a great question the guy asked. There was a little bit of dialogue that happened in between there about the commandments, but, but the gist of it is this. Give your money away. And you can follow me. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he bring that up at that point? And, and what, Jesus was allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that kind of thing, right? Jesus was the son of God. I don't know what's deeply set in your heart and your dreams and wishes and ambitions. But Jesus saw this man's heart and knew that no matter the answer Jesus gave, the man just wanted his wealth. He was clinging to his wealth. He was clinging to what he thought was important. Even if he'd followed Jesus away down the journey, some situation would arise where he would always choose his wealth. So Jesus put his finger on the thing straight away and said, if you want to follow me, you're going to need to deal with this. Give it away. And it says, the man went away sad. In other words, he wasn't willing to become something new. He'd valued himself and hooked himself and tied himself to worth from somewhere else. Seek first the kingdom of God. Just after the Lord's Prayer, it says this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all this stuff. All this stuff. All the stuff you really need in life will be added to you. I mean, we know that verse, right? But we don't often see the challenge of it because seek first the kingdom of God means this. I need to become someone different. I need to become someone new. I have to be willing to leave here and go there because that's what seeking God's kingdom above other things means. And yet, easier said than done. St. Paul himself this same guy who he would often self-deprecate in his letters. He would often say, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the worst, I'm the bottom, I'm the chief of sinners. And yet look what happened to me. And 
He's got a great story of change and becoming someone new. If anyone's got a story of change, St. Paul's got this story of change, right? I, I read something in a book the other day, and it says this, the new and transformed Paul, after his death, would have been welcomed into paradise to the cheers of those the old Paul dragged to their deaths. Some of you will know the story of Paul. Some of you won't. If you don't, don't worry about that statement. For those of you who do, that's profound. Paul's whole identity was the preserving of the, the Jewish faith, the Judaistic faith. And this new sect of Jesus' followers were a problem to that. And, and he would capture them and, and drag them and take them to people who would take them to their deaths. And then Paul went through a change. He became someone new. In fact, his name possibly was changed from Saul to Paul. We're not sure of that, but we think that's what may have happened. And he became someone new. And this writer said that when the new Paul died and entered heaven, he'd have entered heaven to the cheers of those that the old Paul would have dragged to their death. That's some change. The Bible uses a word for the kind of transformation we're talking about here. We use it in at least two occasions in the New Testament. The word is metamorphosis. You say metamorphosis? GCSE biology. <laughs> right? Metamorphosis. It's a mix of two words. Meta simply means change, and morph means form or essence. So when we say metamorphosis, we're talking about a change of essence or a a change of form in its entirety. Last week I talked about the word repent. It's around about the, it's, that's metanoia. It means a change of heart, a change of direction. But here, metamorphosis, the, the, the original language that the New Testament was written in decided to pick this word, this word, a change of essence to describe the transformation that people like you and I go through when we say yes to Jesus. When we say, yes, I will belong, yes, I will believe, and yes, I'm going to do my best to behave. Then we enter into a process of metamorphosis. Hence, I picked on a caterpillar and a butterfly earlier, right? Um, how were you taught in school? Can you remember? How we, or in nursery? Whatever. How were you taught that a caterpillar changes into a butterfly? Anyone remember how they were taught it? You know what? A, oh, a book called The Very Hungry Caterpillar. That's fantastic. Did, were, were any of you actually in your class, did you have a caterpillar? And, you, and you, every day or every week you looked at it and you watched it change and then it went into this funny hanging thing and disappeared and you think what's going on in there right and then a week or so later out of this weird hangy thing comes a butterfly and it's amazing because uh, I assume most of you like me thought that's crazy the caterpillar went in and whilst it's been in there in secret in its little hangy bag chrysalis okay is it's grown longer legs it's got rid of that like ruffly skin. It's shortened in its body and it's grown wings. And then it's so strong, it breaks out of its little hangy bag and it comes out and it flies. It no longer crawls and eats leaves. Suddenly now it flies and eats nectar, right? It's totally different. That's amazing. That's what went in there. Do you know that's not what went on in there? We now know completely. It's still a bit of a mystery, but we, we know sort of we know the change that takes place. We just don't know how it took place. Scientists are still trying to figure it out. If you open the chrysalis in the middle of that process, you don't see a caterpillar shedding its legs and growing some wings. Do you know what you see? Get this, it's amazing. Goo. You say goo. The, the caterpillar, it ruptures open. Sorry about this. Because I know some of you love caterpillars. Okay, and this might change your whole essence about the Hungry Caterpillar book. <laughs> the caterpillar ruptures open, and its organs rupture open, and its innards rupture open, and everything melts and turns to goo. It is just a soup 
of proteins and hormones and vitamins. And it's, it's all a... That's all there is in there. In fact, you might say the caterpillar is no more. You open it and the, there is no caterpillar there. Right? And yet, all the DNA is still there. It's now just in no shape or form whatsoever. And then within a few days, within a few days, within all these cells, or a few cells that give the right signals and say, suddenly, wing, right? And a wing forms, or an antenna forms, or a leg forms, abdomen forms. And suddenly, what emerges is a totally different creature. I want you to get this. It's a totally new creature. A butterfly is not a caterpillar with wings. It's a butterfly. It's a totally different thing. Now, it didn't die because the cells were still alive, but it's as good as, right? I mean, if I put you in a liquidizer, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I have no thought. Like, I'm not thinking of doing that, right? But um, then you would probably die. This is where the mystery is. This is what science can't get its head around. See, you put Mark in a liquidizer, right? And then try and make him into something else afterwards, like a rabbit, right? It would be a dead rabbit. All right? Put a caterpillar and liquidize it and just into a goo, and suddenly what comes out is a butterfly that's alive. And this is the word, metamorphosis, that the epistle writers use to say, hey, when you meet Christ, get this, everything changes. You're not a, you know, you're not, you're not a dawn now um, with a new smile. Because you're a bit happier because you've met Jesus. You're not a dawn now with new Sunday habits. That's not, it's not that. You are a new creature. Now, I know this is lofty stuff, and you think, yeah, 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 Russ, it's, it's written, but it's not real life, is it? Look, Paul the Apostle who wrote this, he, he knows what's going on. And he knows he's telling the truth here, but he also knows that he's living in the struggle of what this means. So with a butterfly... The old has passed away, and the new has come. That sound familiar? Second yeah. Corinthians chapter five. Paul writes this: If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Why are they a new creation? Because they have been born again through the death of Jesus Christ. Through the death of Jesus Christ. And then by the Spirit made new. One of the reasons why Jesus had to die. So that death could be passed through. And, and as we emerge into a new creation, we're a bit like a butterfly. We have a new view on the world. We have a new Lord, we have new desires, we have a new food source. And again, we can still think, but Russ, it's, it's easy for a caterpillar. If it knows what it is, and if it goes to the right place and eats the right stuff, it's just going to change, right? And that is true. It, does, it just changes into a butterfly. There is nothing it can do about it. And there is a difference because a caterpillar cannot abdicate from the process of change. But I can. And you can. That kind of transformation still needs to happen, but I have a will. And I can abdicate from that process of change. The poor old caterpillar, it can't. You do feel sorry for those caterpillars that are crawling around and are chatting to each other. And one of them points up to a butterfly and says, you'll never see me in one of those things. Thank you. Yes, you're going to be one of those things. The truth is, for us, that's not quite like that. At any point, we can abdicate from a process of change. 
And one of the reasons is because um, when I decide to follow Christ, and I understand I belong to him, and I believe, and, and I start behaving, I don't get a new brain, and I don't get a new body, and I don't get new senses. I've got to wait for that, for the end of time, when God gives me a new body, and in the new earth, when heaven meets earth. We sang about it in a song at the beginning called Pray. Have you noticed that? When you become a Christian, you still look the same as you did the day before. You noticed that? Of course. See, our, our caterpillar to butterfly transformation, our metamorphosis, while we're still in this world, is on the inside. It's to do with our spirit. It's to do with our soul. But unfortunately, most of the things that drag me down and hold me back into the old me are not a spiritual, solely thing. They're a mind thing and they're a sense thing, right? You get that? The places I walk to. There, there are things I, I watch. There are, there are thoughts I have in this old brain of mine which have standard set ways of doing things. And so, unlike a caterpillar, I'm battling an old me. An old me, the old self. Paul calls it the old creation. Whilst inside, Jesus has made me a new me. And there's this tussle going on. That My spirit, my soul have been reborn. And yet, there's a fight. Paul the Apostle uses this word. He says, the old creature contends with the new creature. All the time. And he gave examples of how that was with him. He says, the new me wants to do this. But I end up doing that. And the new me doesn't want to do that. But then I end up doing it. And, and he talks about the, the new creature contending with the old creature. There's a tussle going on. There's a fight going on. And you know that same fight goes on in you and me every day. So much so that if we give way in that fight to the old us, we actually forget we are a new creature. And we just give in. And we just say, actually, I'm a more enlightened old creature. That's what I am. I'm an old creature who likes Jesus. But there is something new and transformed about us. <clears throat> There's an old Cherokee Indian, apparently, he was talking to his old, talking to his young son, and he said, "Son, uh, there's a fight going on inside of me between good and evil. It's like two wolves, dark and light. There's a fight going on inside of me." And the son said, "Dad, which wolf will win?" And the father said. The one I feed. And it's that same thing that's going on inside of us. So I look at you who love Jesus Christ with all your heart. And you know you belong to him. And, and you know you believe all you need to believe to set yourself up to, to follow him. And to follow in his footsteps. And you're doing your best to behave. But I also know this. There's a fight going on. It's like two wolves inside of you. Actually, one of the wolves is totally dependent on your mind and your body and your senses. And, and the other one is made new and it's full of light and life and drawing you towards Christ. And who wins in this contention, in this tussle, in this fight is the one you feed. You can feed the old you or you can feed the new you. It's much easier to feed the olders. Because that's all we see of each other. That's our physical presence. That's our, our minds. A butterfly says to a, a caterpillar, if you want what I've got, come and fly. Jesus says to us, if you, if you want what I've got, come and die. That's what he says. Come and die. It's not a very attractive proposition. 
But let me tell you, it's the way to freedom. It's the way to freedom. And Jesus talked about it. He talked about seeds being planted in the ground. You get a little seed. It looks dead. Nothing's been happening to it. You can keep it for years. It's like nothing. There's no life at all in it. You put it in the ground and all of a sudden, something grows. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God like that. You take something so small, it's just like a little seed. You plant it, it grows into a tree. And he talks about the birds of the air landing in its branches. That's what the kingdom is like too. It passes through death. You know, the resurrected Jesus, who we worship and we sing about and who we invite into our lives. Why is he re- resurrected? Because he went through death. He had to come and die. How do you become the new you? How do we change from just being someone who's trying to behave right because we're slightly enlightened? How do we become a new you? We look at our old self and we say, hey, old Russ, come and die. And as we do that, our thoughts can change. Our habits can change. And we metamorphosize. Romans 12, 1-2, one of the most famous passages in, in the Bible. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. So I'm at the end of a four-part series. And I would love to say, hey, you're all caterpillars just waiting to become butterflies. Come and fly. Come and fly. We'll put on an inspirational song about a wind beneath your wings or something like that. We'll all stand up and we'll go, oh, this is me. We're flying. And all I've got for you is this. We need to change. I need to change. The church needs to change. The world needs to change. And Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. And of course, Jesus says, look, the view from up here is amazing. Come and fly. But the root is this. Come and die. Come and die. See, the old you can't handle what I've got. You're going to see things you've never seen before. You're going to do things you've never done before. You're going to view things the way you've never viewed them before. Those things that you were wrestling with, you need to to conquer. And the old you will never conquer them because you're fastened to them. So come, come and die. Why don't we stand together? Lord Jesus, there is no escape in the fact that though you call us to the great and the magnificent, you call us to life and light and hope and joyfulness. And we're about to enter into a, a season soon, a festive season where we talk and sing about light and joy. And all that is true. And though our, our bodies long and groan for the time when you make all things new, for now, Lord, We are in a contention between a new me and an old me, a new us and an old us, and the battle goes on daily. And you urge us on, you call us to set our face towards a new thing. You tell us to press on, to take hold, to look forwards. You call us to keep belonging, to keep believing, to keep behaving. But you urge us to become the new us. And in order to do that, the old us needs to be starved. And so, Lord, I just ask through your Holy Spirit, will you give revelation now and understanding to all of us? Just show us some things in our lives that we cling to. 
that are not good for the new creature. They're not good for the new creation. They're not good for the new me. They're not good for the new us. Will you give us revelation and insight of things we cling to that hold us back? And let us be willing to let go, to let those things die in our lives, that we might be able to embrace the new and life. And then, Holy Spirit, would you give us the transformative power and faith to grasp onto the things that feed the new us? Help us to be able to make brave decisions to feed what can be. For all this, Lord, is from you, through you, for you. So, Lord, as a church, as a company of people, we bring ourselves to you and we say, Lord, will you forgive us for clinging on to what holds us back? Will you forgive us for that? And will you give us the faith the strength to take hold of what you're calling us to. And as individuals, Lord, would you help us let go of those things that stunt us, that ground us in the old, and give us the power and the revelation, the faith, to take hold of what will cause us to be free in you. ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.